friends will break. Um, it, it's really, truly incredible. Transgenderism, gender ideology, is very much a pine piper that is stealing our children away, uh, away from parents, not under cover of night, but right in broad daylight. Um, because essentially, our kids are immersed in this 24-7 indoctrination, this 24-7 pervasive gender ideology cult. Um, and over the next uh, 40, 50 minutes or so, I, I want to hit sort of four, four um, questions or, or points. What is this gender cult exactly? Um, how is it stealing kids away and usurping parents' rights? Uh, are there signs of pushback, signs of hope, and what can parents do? So essentially, transgenderism or gender ideology is that part of the sexual revolution that is most at war with reality and our God, our creator. Um, <laughs> we have uh, the high priests, and high priestesses of, of today are therapists or, or donning stethoscopes scalpels and they are there to tell kids as young as 18 months, parents of 18 month olds, uh, all the way through grad school that, hey, some boys have vaginas and some girls have penises. As crazy as this sounds, as obviously at odds with biology 101 as it is, this isn't really entirely new as far as the ideology. It's actually a modern representation of the ancient pagan uh, heresy of Gnosticism. And um, the Reverend N.T. Wright said it really well in 2017, writing a letter to, uh, to the London Times. He said the confusion about gender identity is a modern, internet-fueled form of the ancient philosophy of Gnosticism. The Gnostic, the one who knows, has secret knowledge, has discovered the secret of who I really am behind a deceptive outward appearance. It involves denying the goodness or even the ultimate reality of the natural world. So in Gnosticism, the Gnostic does not believe that a human being is a union of body and soul. The Gnostic believes that human beings are distinct entities, a distinct spiritual entity and physical entity. And the physical entity is below the spiritual. The spiritual trumps the physical. Gender ideology holds the same thing, that our physical bodies, our biological sex is meaningless. It is only the internal sense of oneself that counts. And that person's identity in their mind trumps not only the person's physical reality, but everyone else's. What was the tipping point? How, what, is there one thing that may have really caused this ideology to take off? I think there were, it was a confluence of things, but 
one that was very critical came in 2013. In 2013, the American Psychiatric Association eliminated the diagnosis of gender identity disorder. So prior to 2013, medical students, counseling students, had the understanding and were taught that normal thinking aligns with physical reality. They were taught that if a person felt uncomfortable with their biological sex and believed that they were something else or someone else, that was a disorder of mind. It was a thought disorder. But in 2013, the American Psychiatric Association decided that it was too, uh, it had too negative a connotation and was causing stigma for their patients. So they dropped that label and they replaced it with the term gender dysphoria. Dysphoria means distress. And the American Psychiatric Association said, yes, there's still a disorder when someone believes they're the opposite sex, but the disorder is not the belief. The disorder is the distress. So our goal as counselors, psychiatrists, and therapists is to help the person become comfortable and socially functioning. It's okay for them to believe that they are the opposite sex. Our job is to get rid of the distress. This is what was published in the fifth edition of the American Psychiatric Association Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Illness. It's basically the world's psychiatric Bible. So that one change had a, a dramatic impact in all of medicine and psychology. Because now it was being taught that your internal sense, your feelings are inborn. At least your feelings about gender and sex are inborn. And some people may be born in the wrong body. That wasn't scientific. There is no science behind that whatsoever. This is pure ideology, pagan Gnosticism. But that one change was absolutely a shot for around the world, so to speak. Because now, the transgender activists were free to use the law to claim that they had to be accepted in their confused thinking. They could now appeal to discrimination, unjust discrimination. So that was definitely a tipping point um, in terms of how society came to view the given person, and came to view someone struggling with a gender identity confusion. Since 2013, 
following on that, following with medicine, the change in medicine psychology, we had mainstream media, social media, public education, all come on board, as well as corporate America and Silicon Valley. And they have embraced this transgenderism with an unparalleled religious deal. And as I alluded to earlier, professionals, lay, lay people, parents, teachers, and children alike are taught that when a child of any age, even as young as one and a half years old, consistently and persistently insists that they are not their biological sex, they must be affirmed as the opposite sex, they should have their name changed, start dressing differently, and then early, early puberty, we should put them on puberty blockers to get them ready for those cross-sex hormones and maybe even some surgeries before age 18. This is literally the society and the culture in which we are all living and in which our children are immersed in. What um, you may, a lot of uh, lay people may not realize or understand is that um, puberty is not a disease. It's a critical period of normal healthy development. So when we give children puberty blockers between the ages of eight and 11 before they really get puberty, we are arresting not just their, their sexual development, but also their brain development. Because sex hormones do more than just affect the sexual organs. So puberty blockers, they arrest the development of certainly the ovaries and eggs in girls, the development of the sperm and the testes in boys. They decrease, they, they, they slow the growth of bone. Children who go on puberty blockers and are robbed of their normal puberty will have very brittle bones on the other side of things. Um, if they go from the puberty blockers onto cross-sex hormones, they will be permanently sterilized. So this is a very, very big deal. The cross-sex hormones carry risks of their own, including strokes, heart attacks, diabetes, liver disease. There's also risks, even cancer risks. So this is not something that is benign or reversible. So, what how could this possibly happen to a child of if parents if, without their parents knowing? Um, I can show you some. I can share some examples. Um, as executive director of the American College of Pediatricians, I, I have often received um, phone calls from distressed parents. Um, and 
one example that's played out multiple times around the country, for sure around the world, the Western world. Um, a mother, I'll call her Sam, called me one day, very strong. She was in the midst of a uh, going through a bitter divorce, and her 15-year-old daughter had uh, suddenly declared, in the midst of this divorce, the divorce proceedings, had suddenly declared that she was really uh, a boy, and um, the, the parent, the parents brought her for evaluation, and at a gender clinic, and now even most pediatricians will automatically affirm the, the girl as a boy and recommend the blockers and hormones. The parents were divided. The father wanted to proceed with the current high-risk puberty blockers and hormones, as well as a double mastectomy. Like, the following year, mom wanted to pursue psychological counseling as a family concerning the, in the midst of the divorce. She quite clearly saw that while her daughter had never had any gender confusion in the past, did have signs of depression, and clearly was devastated by the bitter divorce that was going on. So mom wanted to follow the logical and the, and the correct path. Although the American College of Pediatricians was able to provide an expert witness for her, the family court judges, most of them, do end up siding with the gender clinics. How about if the family, um, so what about families who are not going through divorce? Intact families and parents involved with their kids. Could those families too be impacted? And yes, sadly. Mr. and Mrs. S concerned about their 15-year-old daughter who was showing signs of depression and anxiety, brought her to a pediatrician. Pediatrician refers her to a psychologist. And the psychologist, after one visit, calls the parents into the room and um, decided that the daughter actually had gender dysphoria. Unfortunately, because of how pervasive the ideology, the gender ideology is in medicine and psychology, a lot of therapists, counselors, or physicians will ask leading questions and end up convincing, they might convince a child that the depression and the anxiety is because, oh, you know, you're actually transgender. And they can, um, because of what's known as a mature minor or has certain carve-outs in the law, um, medical clinics, physicians, and counselors can pressure parents 
sometimes the first emotional blackmail saying, unless you affirm your daughter as a boy, she will commit suicide, which is a lie. But when you're the parent being told that by an authority figure, it's terrifying. Some physicians, therapists, will also threaten to call child, get child protective services involved to investigate the family. So there's, a, uh, if the family does not want to go along with affirming the child. So there's a lot of bullying and, and pressure. The, um, the other area in which parent rights are also rooted by gender ideology is within the school system. And the tipping point here was in 2016 when uh, President Barack Obama issued what was termed a Dear Colleague letter. He wrote the letter to every superintendent across America. And President Obama insinuated that if schools do not apply Title IX to gender identity, you may lose federal funding. So this carried no legal authority whatsoever. And the president had no such authority to even to make issue such uh, a statement. But he essentially told schools, you title IX, which guarantees that students will not be discriminated against based on their sex, designed to protect female students, especially, particularly in sports. Um, but he basically said, you must interpret sex to include gender identity, or else you may lose federal funding. For this reason, the majority of schools, because if you treat gender identity just like sex, that means you must allow open uh, restrooms, locker rooms, sports facilities, uh, sports teams must be based not on biological sex, but must be based on whatever person claims to be. What also followed from this is that the vast majority, I haven't, even in conservative states, department, the state departments of education put gender identity in the same category of sex um, under medical conditions they do not have to discuss with parents. And not, not many, there's, not many parents may realize, but public schools do not have to disclose to you um, if a child comes to them to discuss issues of mental health, substance abuse, drugs, sex, and now gender identity. So not very long ago, um, a teacher in Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, had an 11-year-old girl 
who was um, struggling. She could tell she, the, the, the girl was struggling uh, socially, emotionally. And the girl did open up to her teacher. She was questioning her gender identity. The, the teacher went to the principal with this and you know, wanted some advice. And the principal said, well, you may not tell the parents. That's our policy, right in line with the state of Massachusetts Department of Health. The teacher, <coughs> pardon me, to her credit, <coughs> knew the parents had a right to know. Went to the parents, told them what the, their daughter was struggling with. The parents were able to get the daughter help. The teacher was fired. Um, in the state of Florida, uh, I received a call to, to assist a family in Florida whose 14-year-old daughter had um, suddenly come out, rapid onset gender confusion. I was able to help them uh, interview local therapists in their area to find someone who could help the family. But what they shared with me is that they only learned of their daughter's struggle from a family friend. The daughter was already being affirmed as a male student for two or three months by the school without the parents' knowledge. The school had met with their daughter several times. They were using a, a boy's name for her in school. Um, they had reviewed the, the, the girl's right to have access to uh, boys' bathrooms, boys' sports teams, and even to, um, if there were any overnight trips, to be housed with the boys rather than the girls. And this was, this was a school in Florida. So these things are, are happening across the board, whether conservative states, liberal states. Um, I have never been more in favor of homeschooling. It's truly shocking um, what what uh, what our public institutions are are getting away with. If it's all right, I would like to share. Um, like I said it's, it's frightening what parents are up against, but I do have um, a positive story. One father who provided, I kept it anonymous, of course, um, would allow me to, to share his uh, his family story. His daughter, Kate was in sixth grade. Dad went to her science class to provide some examples of water purification systems. After class, Kate's teacher walked out with him and told him that his daughter had asked to be called a different name, Alex. A name that was gender neutral, could be used by boys or girls. She was asking, the teacher was asking the father if this was okay with him because it had no relationship to her current name. And apparently her best friend was doing the same thing. 
And at the time, no, no alarm bells went off in his mind or his wife's mind. He's just, yeah, okay, whatever, it's a kid thing. He said, um, as the sixth grade year came to a close, his daughter and uh, he and his wife noticed that their daughter became a little more withdrawn, started to isolate herself, was spending a lot of time on the internet binging. Um, but they were a family of six, lots going on. They didn't pay too much attention to it. And then in seventh grade, sadly, um, she started cutting, binging, and purging. And during a heated argument, after these were, things were discovered, she announced she was really a boy named Justin. And that school knew this, and they were okay with it. And if she also looked at so seventh grade, seventh grade, looked her parents in the eye and said, and if you don't call me Justin and you don't accept me this way, I'm going to kill myself. The dad writes, within the next couple days, we, yeah, well, she said that, and we literally found ourselves literally inside the rubber room of our local children's hospital. It is the lowest and loneliest place that we as parents have ever been. Our daughter was admitted for three weeks, and upon discharge, we were referred to a psychiatrist. My wife and I both met with this doctor, shared our desire to help our daughter recover and get her real identity back. We wholeheartedly believed that he, the psychiatrist, should use her birth name, which he refused, even calling her Justin when he called her back into his office with us from the waiting room. After a few weeks, he followed my wife and daughter out to the parking lot and recommended a transgender support group for, my, for our daughter, made up of transitioning youth and fully transitioned adults. That's when my wife and I fired her. The public schools offered weak promises to try and comply with our wish to use her real name, saying they couldn't control what individual teachers might do. We took her out of school. We placed her in an online Christian academy. We found a Christian counselor, one whom we had known for years, as well as a psychiatric nurse practitioner who could prescribe appropriate medicine for her depression. After we interviewed her and agreed with her practice, there was a constant resistance from our daughter, but my wife and I made a decision to remain in this together. We were going to wage this warfare against the cult that was stealing her way. Apart from a very few close friends, we found little support or understanding. This stage of our story stayed pretty much in stasis for about two years. During her freshman year, she took electives at our public high school. I found out that her teacher was addressing her as Justin. I had enough. After some thoughtful conversations with friends, I set a meeting with the principal and this teacher. 
I walked in, communicated our story, and then told them that in our state, the age for legal emancipation is 16. Our daughter was not yet that age. She was still our legal dependent, and on those grounds, I demanded that she only be referred to by her legal name. Or a shortened version of it, Catherine or Kate. The principal and teacher agreed to comply. My wife and I counted that as a small victory. And one day, prior to her 16th birthday, our daughter came to us and told us she no longer wanted anyone to call her Justin. She identified as a girl once more. This is a day my wife and I personally celebrate. We are far from being out of the woods yet. We're still in counseling. But gender dysphoria is no longer an issue. Please, no matter how insistent your child is being, please know this is not necessarily permanent. Although support for your position will be unpopular. I wish I could finish on that seemingly parental touchdown, but I have one other thing to share. The father says I work for a very well-known Fortune 500 company. A man I work with has a daughter only one year older than mine, who at the same age as my daughter made the same claims of dysphoria. But this father chose to support his daughter's confusion, changed her name, consented to all of the medications, the blockers, and even a double mastectomy. Our company recognized him as father of the year. I'm not so certain that were I to share our family's journey that I would be similarly honored, which is why this story will remain anonymous. For those out there who are walking this road, please know you are not alone, although our culture makes you feel that way. Know that doing what is right and loving from a biblical standpoint will be hard, and finding support may be difficult. But there is hope and there is help. I thank Dr. Cortella and the American College of Pediatricians for being there to share these resources. And I share that story because it's a, a good segue to the last session of my presentation, which is what are some resources for parents? Um, you know, what can we do? I, actually, I'll give you, I, I will give you um, a few reasons to be hopeful, and, and uh, that is that over the past year, and we're used to America leading the way, but on, uh, on transgender, on waking up to the transgender ideology, uh, America's not leading the way, but uh, we have seen victories in uh, Sweden, Finland, the UK, and even some psychiatrists in Australia pushing back, warning of all the harms that are done to children when their gender confusion is affirmed. And those countries have taken strong steps to turn the clock back and to start recommending, once again, individual and family counseling 
for the, for the youth to get to the underlying cause of what's really a crisis of identity. It's an identity crisis that can often be triggered by depression, anxiety, trauma. Once those underlying issues are changed, or treated rather, the gender confusion can lift and the gender identity can change back so that the child embraces, comes to embrace their bodies. So there absolutely is hope. Medical organizations uh, in Europe seem to be a little bit ahead of us, but there's definitely hope. Where can parents go for resources now? Um, certainly visit the American College of Pediatricians website. You may find it by going to bestforchildren.org. In our search bar, you can type in gender identity and that will bring you to our webpage with several videos and educational materials. We also have a parent resource page. In addition, I very much want to uh, recommend Family Policy Alliance. Go online to Family Policy Alliance and they have a, uh, a, a free downloadable book. It's a guide for parents. It's called Back to School for Parents. And it addresses not only gender dysphoria in the schools, but every issue, every controversial issue under the sun. And it puts real step-by-step -step plans and resources in the hands of parents who have kids in public, even private schools, even religious schools. You must, parents must be proactive. Um, and the last, uh, the last place I recommend that you visit on the web for resources is Partners for Ethical Care. Partners for Ethical Care has, uh, I'll pull this up, an excellent book. It says Desist, Detrans, and Detox. Getting Your Child Out of the Gender Cult. It is written by a, a friend and a colleague and educational psychologist, um, Maria Kessler. It is the best resource um, out there for parents who are struggling with this in their families. Desist, detrans, and detox. If you go to Partners for Ethical Care, you may download it or I believe it's about $7, you may download it as a PDF. You may also uh, purchase it in book form from their website.